Welcome to the What the Derp Show. This is Freddie and this is Noemi. And uh, Noemi's washing dishes right now. We recorded a little late. And uh, look at, listen. I'm in my womanly booties. We're all over the place in this episode. Love you. And uh, hope you enjoy it. It's going to be good. Bye. That's, the be- that's all you're going to get. Bye. Bye. Ellie didn't bring it, guys. Enjoy the episode. <laughs> what? See your finger goes. Dun. There's a lot of echoing you, in here. But also, you like your fingers so like. It's weird because it wasn't until we started recording this podcast where I realized that I there's noises that piss me off. It's the background noise. You look mad right now. Things that wouldn't irritate me a year ago irritate me now. Like, what is that fuzz? What is that fuzz? Did you hear the static? Did you hear static? Is your phone in airplane mode? <laughs> Are you picking up a signal? It must be your titanium hip replacement. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Welcome back he, to the What the Dirt Show. Lo- he looks really annoyed right now, and then his hair is messy, so it's making it worse. I don't know why I'm annoyed. I think because I had to set everything up because we just we went to San Diego last week. We were in the Diego of Sands last week (laughs) and um, we took the train down there. That's where we recorded. If you if you listen to this podcast, you know that we had a guest last week. It was Miss Lily Sun and she was on the podcast. (laughs) And that's Noemi's cousin. We went to San Diego and because we did that, I had to take all the equipment. Mm -hmm. And because I'm a person, I never unloaded it. It was still in the bag. It was everything was in the bag right now. Instead I was, of setting it up, I was getting a little anxious because I was like, "We're barely setting it up." Okay. Yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. But you can't get anxious because you still haven't fully unpacked. This is true. This is true. He didn't know. Oh wait, you you did know that because you probably saw my bag at my house. Well, that that and. Whenever there's something like, can we put, can we put it in the trunk? Why can't we put this in the trunk? It was probably like a sack of potatoes. And she goes, my trunk is full. Like of what? I still haven't unpacked. (laughs) It's been six months. (laughs) No, it hasn't. So yeah, last week we went to San Diego. It was a fun little uh, trip that we took over there. We took the train. It was very fun. We took the Amtrak train. Yes. And the train went from Fresno, California, all the way down to Bakersfield. And then we took a bus from Bakersfield to L.A. (laughs) And then from L.A., (laughs) we went from L.A. to Oceanside. It was train, bus, train. On the way back, it was bus, train. Okay. On the way there, funsies. Wonderful. Wonderful adventure. Let's make a video and put it on Facebook. On the way back, it was like the... Yeah, we just did it twice because it was in our little device, our little um, sound device. What is that mixer? It's a sound mixer. Sound mixer. Our little sound mixer was in the bag, so all the the knobs probably got turned. I don't like when knobs get turned. That's another thing that pisses me <laughs> off. Now I don't like background noise, and I don't like the turning of my knobs. <laughs> Okay, why do we adjust every week? You know, I, I, I've been singing for the worship team for like three years now. I'm ready now. I'm ready. I'm pissed. I was pissed. Now I'm ready. I've been singing for the worship team here three years now. Okay, I've been doing this. All right. No, four years coming on four years. You know, to, like legit. It's been fun. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Every Sunday, there's adjustments that need to be happening. I'm just like, why, why are the adjustments changed? Who's touching the knobs? You know, it should just be the same. And then fast forward to a year ago, fast forward from then and then rewind from now to a year ago when we start the podcast and months go by and I'm just like, why are we adjusting the sound every single week? Yeah. Who's touching my knobs? Well, no one is. I don't know why it changes all the time. That's a, it's a male story. I think the same people that turn the knobs also take all your bobby pins. I'm just saying. Yeah. And Q-tips. So on the way there, it was a, it was a fun, fantastic time. And we went to SeaWorld. I pet a stingray. We- it was a lot of fun. We, well, like you said, the, the trip there was great. The trip back, not so great. And then add on top of that, the depression of, dang it, we got to leave. We had so much fun. You know, like it, it was just like a little cherry on top. We were on a bus. On the way there, there was maybe 12 people on the bus. On the yeah. way back, only one seat was open and that open. seat was broken and that seat was broken it had it my was, luggage on it yes it was really annoying with the weird driver with a really weird he was rude when we first got there i still thanked him for the trip and getting us home safely because i'm a christian and that's what i do okay I'm, I'm kind of being sarcastic when i say that i'm i am christian but i just say that kind of like as a joke you know to get you to go <laughs> he said he's christian or whatever it's just because it's the right thing to do you know, you, mm. you don't let somebody's abrasiveness change who you are. So, hey, Mr. Bus Driver, thanks for getting us here safely. But on the way in, he's like, do you want to put your luggage underneath the bus or do you want to take it on? And <laughs> on the way over there on the other bus, they, they just took my luggage. This yeah, guy asked. You need to put it there. Yeah. And I was I said, can I take it on the bus? And he goes, that's why I'm asking you if you want to take it on the bus. I don't have to put it. Underneath and then, the, and the, then the Freddie bus? said, well, if I can, I would like to. I think that was just you being courteous, but it was like the conversation had already gone farther, further than it should have. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, it's up to you. It's up to you. Rude. And I go, okay, thank you, kind sir. Because I just had a fantastic time in San Diego with Lily, Benji, and Diego, and I'm not going to let you, Mr. Bus Driver, ruin it. And I don't want to put you in a bad mood because I, I can be in a bad mood sitting my butt in the back. You, you do what you got to do to drive. <laughs> Okay, I don't want to be like, I'm a man, I'm going to beat my chest because I feel disrespected. No, call me a sissy lala. I don't care. Whatever gets me home safely, (laughs) I'm good. And then when we get off, hey, hey, dude with the huge belt buckle. That's why I trusted him. He had a huge belt buckle. I trusted him. I trusted him to be awake during that whole time because he didn't look like a slob. He looked like he was, that's his shift. Mm -hmm. I have a huge belt buckle and some boots and some gloves. We're getting you home safely. (laughs) <laughs> and that's that. I don't know why I'm talking about the bus drive, but we went to SeaWorld, uh, met a little kid named Benji who stole my heart the moment we met. Yes, my nephew. I think you stole his heart because he was obsessed. And every morning he was like, Onta tío. On, so he's saying, Donde está tío? Where is my uncle? Where is my uncle? And he go, Onta tío. Onta tío. And, and I was, you go look for him everywhere until he found him. Yeah, and he repeats everything you say. And then I sat next to him in the car, but he he would go, Tia, Tia. And I'd go, yes, Benji. And he would grab my hand and rub it. He'd go, Tio? <laughs> so I had to like lean back so that they can have a conversation. It was rare. It, he's, oh, he's so cute. I miss him. And then we went to Old Town San Diego. 
we went to uh, some other place. It was like a park where her cousin got married, and that was beautiful. And it was all yeah. fun. It was all good times. It was really fun. We wanted to go to a Comic-Con museum, and yeah. it was closed. And That was I, the last day. If it was open, I still don't know if we would have went, because it was $30 a person. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, maybe. Maybe next time. <laughs> all right? Yeah. So I'm pushing my budget. We did stuff down to the very last minute. Yes. Over there. And I felt self-conscious because that's what I do. I get in my own head. I go, are we overstaying our welcome? Do they really like us? We're eating again. Do, I, you guys could just drop us off if you want. We'll wait at the bus stop. I don't even care. Yeah. I don't even care. I mean, you know, do they mess us as much as we messed up? Do they even really like us? <laughs> Was I being delusional? at all? <laughs> it was nice to finally meet Lily. Yeah. Mommy's cousin. Okay, so this is this is what I've been dying to ask you. Me? Yes. Okay, so you met my family for the first time. You were Some of them. You were down in that area literally for the first, down south. For the first time. Si, senora. You had never been there before. Never been there in my life, the ocean yeah. side. The furthest you went was LA? I don't know. Or you've gone? That's the furthest? LA is everything down south. <laughs> No, LA. yeah, it's not even all the way down there. If I'm going to to Engondido, whatever, Escondido, I would say it's San Diego. Yeah, because you go Escondido, whatever, and people go, "Where's that's, that?" And then you go, "It's by San Diego." Oh, that's why I don't bother saying those when people say, "Oh, where's your family from?" I say San Diego. Anyways, what is your question? first time? First time meeting everybody. I've known them my whole life. Yes, I used, I've gone dozens of times over there. What did you think first of the area and then of the family? The area is humid, very beautiful. Um, if I'm speaking plainly, especially like an ocean side, it, it'd be really hard for me to cup, uh, keep up down there mm -hmm. because I'm a slow person. Yeah. I like to enjoy things. I like to, <clears throat> I'm slow. Everything's fast. Everything's fast paced down there. Yeah. I like going to go bowl by myself, take my time, talk to the people that work there because it's a small town, you know, talk bowling, enjoy a couple beers and just bowl, have a good time and, and just slow. Mm -hmm. And then, and then just sit in the parking lot for a little bit, looking at TikToks just for, you know, five, 10 minutes, just slow. No, no rush, not trying to beat the traffic, just slow. <laughs> You know? Yeah. I live the way I'm talking right now. Oh. And over there, it's just like, you know, we're going to go, we're going to go here first, we're going to go see the world, and then we're going to go do this, and then we're going to do that. Oh, we got to go over here. And then, uh, who's going over here? We're going to order food. Let's order our food before they get here so the food's all over there. That's just really fast paced for me. Also, I think that you have the wrong perception of things. If they were to come here, would we would stay home the whole time? No, we'd probably take it's, it's them not, to... It's not your family. It wasn't your family. It was the, the environment. Ambience. The environment. So we went to Oceanside, how Oceanside was packed with people. Oh, yeah. That doesn't look fun to me. Yeah. It doesn't look fun. It didn't look fun to your cousin either. So this yeah, is not a, no, a critique of your family. She's not like that. That didn't look fun to me. Mm -hmm. And when we walked around, there's the, you see... A lot of different personalities and different styles mm -hmm. and different get over here. It's freaking Wranglers, belt buckles <laughs> and um, mud kickers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And Ariat. 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 Carhartt. Over there, it's everything. Style, this, that, this, that, this, that. And I was just like, it's probably really hard to be personable 
or to be unique, you know? Yeah. When every, like everybody has everything and everybody's doing everything. Like, it's, it's just right. crazy. What uh, about my family? They're cool. Who did you meet? I met her cousin, Lily. And then I met her cousin, Claudia. That's how I... And then her aunt, Claudia. And her uncle, Robert. Her cousin, Robert. <laughs> her cousin-in-law, Diego. Not Diego. Yeah, Diego. Her cousin-in-law, David. I met Benji. I met little David. I met Isabel. I'll tell you this. Because I remember everybody's name, that means I like them. Who else? You're missing. Hold on, hold on. Oh, and I met um, Mason. Mason's the... <gasps> the chunkers. The, he's, got, he's got creases. He, he is like... If in 300, the movie 300, when, whenever the Spartans have a baby and they take him to the whatever and they put him in the cold and if they withstand it and they, they throw the baby away, if he's strongest weak, baby. he's the strongest baby I've ever seen. <laughs> he, he can he can crush you with his mind. That dude's he's crazy. so cute. Seriously. I, I felt inferior yeah. when he looked at me. <laughs> I felt like he looked in my soul and like I felt weak. For the record, he's 10 months old. Look that baby in the eye and feel strong. You can't. There's no way. He looks at you like you're an idiot. He's a chunker. He's a chunker. He's not even a chunker. He's got girth. <laughs> There's someone that you're missing. Um, I think could have been close to one of your favorites. I said Robert. No. I know you like you loved all of them. Yeah. But you missed one. I missed one? Mm-hmm. You're going to be mad at yourself. Torin. Oh, yeah, Torin. Yeah, Torin. He was cool. Yeah. I him just, translating. Him, oh, him. He, uh, Russian. Oh, so I broke my glasses when we first got to the trip, and I had to not have glasses the whole time. So I couldn't even help out Diego, uh, her cousin, Lily's husband, if you, if you needed me to drive anywhere. I'm like, ha, can't see. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, <laughs> It, it, when I when we went to to Sea World, mm-hmm. um, I was walking around in the dark, <laughs> and I couldn't see anything. <laughs> and I was enjoying that myself. Was really funny. I was enjoying myself at Sea World. Okay, we so said, I, let's I go. literally we were needed at- to hold her her shirt. We were. He was like a little kid, which was fitting because he was really excited, like a little kid. Oh, and my phone was dead. So if I got yeah. lost. You done. Were, you were done. I'd yeah. have to go to a worker and hang on the room and play with Legos on the Lego table <laughs> until someone came and picked me up. Okay, so maybe sucked on a choopy. Okay, that's a binky, a pacifier. Babe, stop. Okay. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> I've been like and and and. <laughs> so stop doing that face. My gosh, I don't even know what I was gonna say. Thanks. Torn. No, I was talking about you getting lost. And Monse. Yes, Monse. Name drop everybody. Anyways, we were at the Stingrays. We said uh, we were there for a long time. His phone died. Lily's like, all right, let's go to the next thing. I said, okay, come on. Of course, Freddie never listens. I didn't realize he stayed behind. And we were going up like a ramp area. It was kind of circular around the, t- the, the Stingray tank. And then I turn around. Because I'm talking to Freddie, and I turn around and he's not even there. I'm talking to myself, mm. and then I see him with his water, with his water, with his hand splashing in the water. Oh yeah, I was still playing with the stingrays. <laughs> he was playing. Dude, that doesn't get old to me. That doesn't get old to me. Hold go on. ahead, go ahead. And then I'm like, babe, can't hear me because it's too loud and there's a lot of people. Yep. Well, not and not a lot, a lot of people, but there was people. Do you know how you need to turn the radio down to see driving? <laughs> well, if I can't see, I can't hear. Okay. Just straight up. Okay. 
Science. So So then I see him perk up. Look around. He can't see nothing. Trauma. Trauma. Then I see a panic face <laughs> because I, it didn't dawn on me that he couldn't really see. Everything is blurry and then mm-hmm. there's people around him that he doesn't know. So he's scared. So I tell Lily, wait, I need to go get him. But I didn't want to walk all the way back down. I had just walked up. So I was like, babe, <laughs> he's walking around. He's walking around and he looks like he's in Jurassic Park. He's just like slowly <laughs> looking around. His hands are extended. <laughs> Clever girl. <laughs> His hands are extended and he's just like so confused. He walks the opposite way and I was like, no, this way. And then I I see his radar go up and his ear like, <laughs> I wasn't scared. I wasn't like scared. That's my girlfriend. I just didn't want to. And then he turned around and then he didn't see the ramp because he doesn't have his glasses. No, it looked like a so wall. He was trying to get to me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he didn't know how to get how to me. How do you get up there? How? <laughs> because the stingray was in like a pit, you oh know, like, like a arena looking thing. And I'm looking around and I see, I see her, like the silhouette of her. I was like, I think that's my girlfriend. I'm squinting. I'm squinting. Sometimes I'll put my hands around my eyes like what binoculars. Did you say? How do you, I was how like, you get- how do you get up there? Babe. 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 Where do I go? Where's the exit I sign? I had to come all the way down. I, I, and I said, don't let go of my shirt. I wasn't scared, though. I wasn't. It wasn't scared. I just didn't want to go through the hassle of talking, like, talking to someone. I was like, hey, can I, can I borrow your phone? Um, my phone's dead. I broke my glasses. I live in the Central Valley. No idea what's going on. Honestly, I'm kind of hungry. And uh, would you know what number to call? Yeah, yours. But do you know my number by memory? Nine one one. My God. Yeah, your number's two zero. No, it's not even two zero nine. Oh, I don't know your number. No, you don't. I was so gonna recite my phone number. You would have been completely lost. There's no. How would you hold get on, a hold, hold of on. me? Jokes on you. I've already. I've been completely lost for two years. Oh Lord. But anyway, I finally walked all the way down laughing and I was like, oh my gosh. And I said, you need to stay right next to me because it's getting dark. That's what I, that's what I started you holding You don't your have your glasses. Nope. So I'm like, either you hold my hand or you hold my shirt. So we were switching back and forth. And then also I kept an eye on him when he would, he would wander a little bit. Yes. Um, but I kept an eye on him. It was really fun, though. It, that was that was what we did on the first day that we were there. Yeah. But we didn't go until the nighttime. So we were there. We got there Thursday night. Friday, we went shopping with Lily, waited for her husband to get off work. We did we did an episode of the podcast before we went shopping. Then we went to Target, went to Barnes & Noble, and then we had some Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Awesome. Uh, somewhere between awesome. there. And then we went out to san diego and all that stuff it was fun it was like a trap and on this trip we had we had we had a lot of good conversations we had a lot of good conversations her family has an apostolic background yeah from the church and growing up right mm-hmm. and we even talked about it on the podcast last week yeah yeah not me my, my dad had left the church a long time ago probably before i was born i'm pretty sure it was before i was born um so i was born into a non-denominational church so i never knew apostolic um ways we had the same customs yeah. um, but it was not exactly the same so they did look at us kind of differently because they knew you know we cut our hair we dye our hair we wear jewelry and that's crazy too because like 
we had conversations over there and I've had conversations with a lot of people over Jesus, over religion, over Christianity and, and another conversation with different, different, I was going to say breed of people, Lily, <laughs> Lily, you guys are a different breed uh, different with a different, a different background, cultured and background of people. And I'm talking and then I realized I'm just like, dude, I, I, I've been, this is what episode, like the 35th episode that we've recorded, right? I've got like a thing in my, my, my story that popped up and said, we've been almost doing this for a year. Cause right now, last year we were doing the sound checks and stuff like that. You were doing them. I wasn't part of it yet. Oh, you, oh, you weren't part of it. No, that was just me. It was just you. What a freak. That was, that was before we decided it was, it would, or we even talked about being like a, two-person podcast that's right you just encouraged me to do it by myself mm-hmm. and then i was like and then that's when yeah, i was I, I was testing it out and i was just like nope cat baby because let's just be talking like this the whole time but the, and then imagine just me laughing by myself but i'm we're, i'm having another conversation and then all the stuff that i talk about in this podcast and it's funny the things that you do throughout life that that you grow with or grow out of and maybe when and when you're younger you look at scripture and you're seeing it one way and then you get older and you're like man I was looking at it totally wrong or that experience and wisdom grows everything shifts everything changes and I'm, I'm thinking all the stuff that I talk about and there's a lot of episodes in the podcast where I almost sound certain and another conversation down in San Diego had me thinking like dude I don't know anything no one knows anything there's so many conversations that start off with what if, or I believe my interpretation. Mm. So that just says nobody knows anything. I know that it's, it's conversation that helps grow, that yeah. helps grow. Why does it grow? Because it provokes thought. You give me some of your wisdom, I give me, and I give you some of mine, uh, my uh, interpretation, and it provokes thought. And I know that that's what needs to happen to be comfortable in yourself to kind of help you learn how to think and navigate through life when you just have different conversations and iron sharpens iron. But the more I look at it and sit back, I just sometimes just think like, dude, I don't know anything. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I get like that too a lot. We're, 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 do you ever have those moments where it just bam hits you? Maybe like where you're driving. Um, yeah, I have had, is that my headphones? Yeah, it's your headphones. Okay, sorry. It was like a static. Um, yeah, I've had those moments. Mm, usually it's it comes from hearing too many opinions on the same matter. Yeah. You know? It could be overwhelming and then you're like, okay, I'm confused. I don't want to even think about it. But then you end up doing nothing except think about it. Um but yeah, when there's too many views on the same thing and too many opinions that you listen to, and yeah, it can really be confusing. Like we really don't know. We really don't know much. And it, the thing, it's good not to know. Yeah. It's not to know. It's yeah. good just to keep going. Knowing isn't as important as just going and growing. Yeah. Because when you, especially in the, the time that we live now, just think of it like you're learning a new software or you're learning a new product. You're going to learn all you, you you know about it. And then once you finally know, it changes because it grows. You know what I'm saying? So you have yeah. to learn to be able to adapt. Like I, I, work, I work pretty closely to our pastor and she's been 
she's been pastoring and she's been doing what she does for a really, really long time. 20 years, I think she said today. Yeah. And she's still taking classes. She yeah. Take, she takes courses on communications and like different things. And I'm just like, whoa, you know, she's been doing it for so long and she's never stopped learning and she's never stopped absorbing, you know. It, knowing is like a seed planted. Yeah. And then when the seed's planted, then you got to water it. And then once you know it starts growing, you'd have to keep adapting. You have to keep trimming. You have to like keep doctor. nurturing. Doctors are always learning. Keep spreading. They're always like, um, I worked closely with doctors too last year. And it was for almost two full years I worked with them. And I remember they would see patients and it would be like a serious Case, like case of whatever it might be mm. and if you went into their office you would see them googling stuff and looking researching things and looking it up on um their online textbook they would google stuff yeah like how does it look doctors would google stuff yeah now, i don't know if it's google they they have like their own database where they get to look it up it's like a textbook online oh okay yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I was just like, what? They they do that too, though. Like I, if they, they yeah. want to show you, if they want to show you a picture of what your um your let's say like what your jaw is supposed to look like on an X ray, or what your jaw is supposed look to look like on a on an ultrasound or a CAT scan, they'll Google it and show you the picture. This is what it's supposed to look, and yeah. this is what your. They don't have it just on hand, and they can't tell. You know, like they'll sorry, they'll look it up and um and show you and sometimes when they get confused because that's a lot of things to keep in your mind mm. and things are always changing evolving especially technology so i remember seeing them look it up so it's almost like uh what pastor susan educate themselves on refer to what pastor doug says and that when, when you when you're the when you're the smartest person you know if if you're the smartest person you know you're in trouble you're in trouble if you're the smartest person you know you're in trouble why because you constantly have to be growing and adapting and sharpening off of other people and just bouncing stuff off of each other. And then there's going to be people that know more than you. And it's, yeah. there's never a top. And even the people at the top, they're humbled by the people in the lower. You know what I'm saying? Like it just, it just shifts. It's mm -hmm. just this constant shift. Yeah. And it had me thinking that we move, we move off of perception a lot. We move off our own perception. Our yeah. fears our encouragement, what really riles us up is based off our own perception. It, I mean, look at the different kind of ways that we do to get that people, different kind of ways, the different kind of things that people do to get pumped up or what things can get. I mean, look at the different kind of things that can get somebody pumped up. A football game can get somebody pumped up. Yeah. And not pump up another person but then like a really good art piece can pump up that person that isn't pumped up by 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 football but they get the same reaction mm -hmm. of, of just like a rush you know of something beautiful or something that they love they get the same reaction but two different perceptions of what they deem as worthy <laughs> maybe not the same reaction but the same feeling the same you feeling someone in a gallery be like yeah well not yeah that's right but it encourages them <laughs> yeah. it brings them joy it yeah. encourages as i said not the same reaction not reaction but the, the same, same feeling, feeling of love for the game love for the art it, it, that so you have two different perceptions same result okay 
and it had me it had me thinking about how many times I've given or received advice based on my own perception or somebody else's own perception. I remember when I was divorcing, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna divorce my wife. I'm really heartbroken. Some things happened where, you know, you'd probably divorce too. And and it's it's happening. It's happening and and I'm scared. I don't know what to do. And there's a couple people that are just like, well, you know, Jesus heals. Jesus heals. He can heal the marriage and and whatnot, which is which is truth, which is one hundred percent truth. But these people never ask, like, okay, what do you, what do you, what do you want, and what is your heart saying? Because if I stayed in the marriage any longer, I would have, I don't know what would have happened. It would, it was very toxic, hmm. very toxic. And you feel like you would have lost yourself again. I was losing myself bad, losing myself so bad. Hmm. And like I said, there's things that happen. Honestly, it's none of your business. And I'm looking at it to hear this advice of somebody else's own perception of their own convictions saying, Jesus heals. Let's just pray about it. Have you tried counseling? Have you tried this? It's like, okay, why are you trying to save a marriage that you know nothing about? Hmm. I don't understand that. If you were, if you were close in relationship to me and you knew the situation, your advice would be different. But because because you're reacting based on your perception, your own convictions, your own beliefs, which I do believe that you should do all you can to make the marriage work. You, you should. But there's a point, like I got to that point, where I was going to lose myself. Whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not, I was going to lose myself. Bad. Who, who are you talking to? Anybody. Oh. Anybody that's listening that's just like... I thought you were telling me, like, whether you like it or not. I'm no, like, no, no. what? What are you talking about? Not you. About? Like, whether you like it or not. The listener, whether you like it or not, that, that I was going to lose myself. And I needed to get out of the situation where I was constantly suffocated, drowning, suppressed, oppressed. And maybe it was a marriage that never should have happened in the, the first place. So there was a lot of undoing that needed to, happen, needed to happen to get me to my natural state. But there was, there was no other option there. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Perception. When do we give advice based on our own perception? When are we given advice based on somebody else's own perception? And when can we confirm that it's good? When can we confirm that it's bad? Someone can tell me, someone can tell me that drinking is bad. How many people, I mean, I've been to different churches where cutting your hair is bad. Wearing short shorts is bad. Boys don't take off your shirts. You know what I'm saying? Don't drink. Don't smoke. Mm-hmm. Don't don't smoke don't smoke marijuana, which I've taken prescribed medication before, and prescribed medication scares me more than marijuana does. Xanax, baclofen put me in a place that I never want to go back again. Xanax put me in a place where I just felt numb and a head full of depression, and it did not make anything good. It made my sleep even worse. Mm-hmm. Baclofen is a muscle relaxer. And I had no control over my body. They get, I was given a muscle relaxer because, because of a, a, a shoulder muscle that was tweaked and it hurt. But that medication was not the answer. It was like mobility. Perception. It's all perception. The alcohol, the cutting the hair, the jewelry, the makeup, the beard, the long hair. What's good? Dude, freaking... There, there were no suits, suit and ties in the old times. 
You know what I'm saying? And all the hair was long. Nobody's worried about a clean cut on the image of them. You know what I'm saying? Perception. What do you think? Um, I don't know. I'd have to process that thought a little more. Have, have you ever been victim of feeling guilty over somebody else's perception? Yeah. Okay. I think also, um, hmm, I don't know if this is okay to say. Say it. I'm going to try to watch my words. But, like, we all make, we're all human. Yes. We make mistakes. Yes. And we stumble. And I grew up in a church uh, and environment, I guess you can say, that um, it was all about putting shame when it came to being a sinner. Mm. But the problem is that we're sinners. We're born sinners. So I felt nothing but shame my entire adolescent years. Yes. Shame, shame, shame. When I was a kid, I was oblivious to it. But I didn't know that I was being programmed to feel shame over everything. Um, If I got upset and got angry and I said a word I shouldn't have said, I was crying for weeks. No, no, probably not weeks, probably for like nights. Begging God to forgive me. Please don't punish me because it was an accident. But it happens all the time. Yes. We lose... We we lose that battle oftentimes. It says it in the Bible. Like, who which apostle was it that says, "I know what I'm supposed to do." Paul. It was Paul. I knew it was Paul. I know what I'm supposed to do. Why can't I do it? I know what I'm not supposed to do, but I keep doing it. Yes. Um. So it, it's just how it is. And when I, um, when I was being taught about purity. I don't think it was in the best way because it was all sh- it was all shame. Yeah. And they said if you if you have sex before marriage, if you have a child out of wedlock, you can't wear a white dress. Yes. And that's like the big like oh you want to look like a princess. You every girl wants to walk down the aisle in their white dress and walk towards the per- the person that they love. And when I got pregnant, I felt an incredible amount of shame. Yes. And I was like, I'll never, no one's ever going to want to marry me. I'm never going to be able to wear a white dress. And to me, it wasn't much the sin that consumed me. It was the shame that consumed me. And it pushed me as far away from the church as I possibly could have gone. So where is the issue here? Where is the issue here? Because me growing up, this is me growing up, and I went to a Pentecostal church. I went to a huge, huge mega church mm-hmm. in San Jose, California. I went to smaller churches. I go to this church now. And this is a reflection of one church in particular. It's the churches that I've gone to in my experience. There have been many occasions where I do or do not do something not not because of the eyes of God, but because the eyes of other people. Yeah. To where the past maybe three or four years, specifically since going to the church that I go to now, where I am, I didn't want to say the word aloud, but I'm accepted as myself by most. Yeah. By most. 
I have been sat down with when I, I'm dancing on the line, but I have been accepted to be myself. Our pastor, uh, Pastor Susan, gave a sermon today that was fire. I wrote down yeah. most notes I've ever wrote down. I usually stick to one page. I tell myself if I can't make my notes concise enough to, to be on one page, then I'm not really getting the concept of it. If you can't explain or understand something simply, you know, you can't, you don't know it. But this one, she's just throwing, like Pastor Doug said, all these nuggets in there. And I just kept writing down everything. And I'm going to go back and listen to it again. And I sit usually on the corner of the church by a fire extinguisher. And I went up to my pastor where other people would go, Pastor Susan, that was a very profound message. It's very, there's nothing wrong with that. Very deep, very deep. It it. touched my heart, which like I said, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's the normal reaction. That was such a good message. You know, it just, it, it resonated with me. I'm going to be making some changes this week. You know, that's, that is the perceived normal response. I go up to the pastor of my church and say, I was, I was about to grab that fire extinguisher, Pastor Susan. And start spraying down this platform because you were on fire. That you just put us on fire. And she's just shaking her head, rolling her eyes. And she goes, It's God. And I was like, Okay, bye. Have a good day. And then then we walk he, away. He put his hand on my back and escorted me out as fast as he could because he was so embarrassed that he said that. I, it was hilarious. Because I give myself in like, doses. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I just said that to our pastor. But that's just God. how I am. I'm accepted and people know that that's what I mean. I mean love. Yeah. You know, and I don't I don't know many people personally in our own church. I really don't. Um And, and that's why I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to say something. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um but that's why I now I understand and they say that the church is not the building, it's the people. Yes. Because I'm, I'm not going to glorify my pastors or glorify the church. Like, oh, well, I go to this church, so I'm going to talk it up. There's no talking up that needs to happen. We're just very blessed to be around really amazing people. Um, and... I will honor them. I won't glorify them, but I'll honor them. And I'll say, I've never felt from church. I've never felt the rallying of people around me like I have in the past year and a half. Um, yes. Because I've I've met some great people. Pastor Susan, I'm not going to say all the things that she's done for me, and I don't think she would agree that she did them for me, she would say, no, you know, I, it was God and God led me and the Spirit led me. And that's okay. I, I'll accept that. But I know she wouldn't take the credit for it. But she knows what she's done for me. And um, people like Miss Jenny, she knows what she constantly does for me. And most of the time it's just being there and being uh, someone who will listen you know, um, yes. uh, all of a sudden when I found myself as a single mom, I thought my life is over and I have, I was carrying a lot of shame again, like I said, a lot of shame and they helped me to see that it's in the Bible 
that we can we can mess up and we can do things that maybe God doesn't agree with or doesn't like. But that doesn't mean that that's the end. It doesn't mean you can't. What is what is God's testimony if not redemption? It's almost like this is going to be a very dumbed down analogy, okay? But it's almost like so. Pastor Susan said today in the message that she said that that God is the architect; He has the blueprints. We are the builders, right? Yeah. And it's almost like the Bible's instructions, okay? Even though some of the words can be like <gasps> death of the spirit, <gasps> gonna burn and fire. <gasps> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. what it's like, it's like our life, we're trying to make this soup, okay? And <laughs> okay, it's just, just something simple, you know what I'm saying? And God <laughs> God has given us instructions, the ingredients, like this is going to be good, this is going to be good. But for whatever reason, we keep trying to throw too much salt or this and or I think this is going to be good. That's not in the recipe. You know, you're changing it too much. I think this is going to be good. This is going to be good. This is going to be good. Hey, I've made soup before. I know what's good in soup. Why don't you just trust me? But... I've used this in the past. This person's using it, but this is your soup. And I'm telling you how to make this soup. The, the ex- exactly. This meal is going to be prepared the way it's meant for you to have. And once we start throwing too many things in it to where it's not even recognizable anymore, what kind of flavor it's supposed to be. And then we sit and it's just, it's, it's either bland or salty and ruined. God isn't saying, your spirit's going to die like I'm going to condemn you and you're going to die. Your end result is going to be an accumulation of your, of your decisions. So if you're sitting there with the soup, that's just... And you're going to have a tummy ache. That, that's <laughs> just not even recognizable to what it was or t- it's un- unedible. Yeah. That's on you because God is telling you with the, what to put into it. And we choose to put other ingredients into it. I know better. I've used this before. It's fine. It's fine. You know what I'm saying? Perception is reality. Going back to that. Um, you, you've said it quite often right now. And even a couple other podcasts, you're like, I felt shame. I felt shame. I felt shame. So mm-hmm. in this little podcast that that might reach like 50 people, 60 people, 70 people, 100 people, whatever it is. It's a small amount of people, but we can create ripple effects. Think about it as a church as a whole, okay? And if the the body of the church is making decisions based on the conviction what other men and women will think, then what are we doing? We should be living to, uh, to be Christ-like and not worrying about the perception of other people. Like I said, two different perceptions can lead to the same feeling, can lead to the same thing, lead to the same results, but we have to be accepting of it. If the football player, in the analogy earlier, uh, the football fan says, oh, how do you get excited over art? But instead, you go, you know what? Help me understand what you see. I love art. You love football. I, I have no idea about football, but help me understand why you get so excited about it. Help me understand why you live your life this way. Help me understand why you live your life this way. Not, oh, no, that's not, that's not right. That's not what, what feeds my soul. I would mess around saying that the first um, miracle in the Bible was the water into wine and Jesus filled it to the rim. And he, he went to a wedding before his quote unquote time was, you know, to start doing the Jesus thing. And he went to a wedding and Mary's like, hey, Jesus, we're out of wine. And he's like, woman, I'm chilling. He didn't say it like that. But in my perception of the, of the wedding, he went to a wedding to he, he went to a wedding as a guest with some of his disciples. To chill. And they ran out of wine. 
So he made more wine. The best wine. To where, to where the people were saying that you, uh, you, usually the, the, the best wine is served first, but you, gave, you saved the best for last. Drinking wine. And, and some people have their own perception where alcohol is bad. And it triggers me. I don't like it. Well, if alcohol is bad, then being a glutton is just as bad. If being a drunkard is uh, bad, then being a glutton is just as bad. Being lazy is just as bad. If you're going to be triggered over once, then you need to be triggered over all of them. But in the, in the reality, you shouldn't be triggered by any. How can I help you? Is this a problem? Make sure that's not your master. Um, I think when it comes to that, when it comes to specifically alcohol, mm. I think it has to do with convictions. We can't expect them not to have a conviction just like they can't expect us to have a conviction but over, over a specific thing. You have, I mean, I don't know if you understand that part of it. Yeah. We can't say, no, you can't be triggered because you're not triggered by this, but we have our own convictions. We, we get our conviction like, oh, that's, that's something I would not do. But it okay. So so the perception of I would do. the perception of the LBG, LGBT whatever the heck it is. Okay, you know what I'm saying. There is legit picketing and hate in the name of God to stop quote unquote tarnishing the name of love. We should, if we're gonna picket that, you need to picket McDonald's too. If we're gonna picket that, you need to pick uh, picket the overpriced um um. Uh, gas that we still still filling up our, our cars with if you're going to pick at that you need to pick at the companies that won't give their their employees any benefits and just have this revolving door of employees because it doesn't matter people are going to people are going we're going to find employees if you're going to pick it one wrong you need to pick at everything but mm. picketing isn't the answer to 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 go against something with full force of 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 pulling away and battle that's not the answer if that was the answer, then Jesus would have came down and fought the Pharisees, built up an army and fought back. He came down to show love. He went to the whore, the adulterer, the sinner, the tax collector. He went to all of them and didn't condemn them. He said, follow me. That's what he said. And if we're just going to condemn other people, no one's going to go towards the church. He creates separation. And this is perception because this is how my mom or dad taught me. This is what I was taught. This is what I fell in, uh, in conviction to. I got consumed by alcohol. My mom had taught me to, to hate um, minority uh, ethnicity because there was one day where, where churches were preaching that it's, you know, it was just, it was just a one nationality church, one ethnicity. You know what I'm saying? It, it, just, it just, the perception builds up from the past and we create this concept to where we need to push away what we feel conviction over and our perception of what's bad. And we end up pushing other people away. When you push away, push away, push away. What of that is an example of Jesus? Jesus didn't push away. The only time he pushed away was when there was a, a what was it? Sales. Like people, there was like a, like a freaking street fair in the, in the temple. The holy place. And he, he didn't. And the thing is, he didn't go and politely say, hey, guys, I don't think this is such a good idea. He went and flipped all the damn tables over. And he said, "Nah, you're not going to disrespect, disrespect my, my father like this, this holy place like this. That was the only time. And it was it was it wasn't he he got angry over 
an atmosphere, never, never a person's actions. He got angry over, over what disrespect there was towards the holy place. He never got angry over, over a, a sin that people were doing. Because, because those sinners, the reason why they, the, those sinners, the, the adulterer that he approached, any sinners he approached, the reason why they were so easily moved to follow him is because everybody else was pushing them away. The woman with the issue of blood, no one knew, no, she couldn't do anything. Everybody else pushed, everybody pushing them away, pushing them away, pushing them away. And Jesus came down with his arms open. It blows my mind. So I don't, I don't necessarily agree with everything that you said. Although I do think there's a lot of truth. I don't think that um, we should be causing more confusion and more division with anybody, even if we don't agree, because that that's really not what Jesus stood for. He didn't, he didn't stand for division. He just brought up questions to think about. I think we've talked about it before. Not on the podcast. He, he asked a lot more questions than what he answered. He and just, he wanted to provoke you to think. Yeah. And I think that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very fragile thing to voice your opinion and it should only be done if you're not saying it from a place of hurt or of let me prove a point to you or I'm right and you're wrong it's like to prove something because then what are we doing you know okay so I don't, I don't think that should be I don't think there's too many instances where you should voice your opinion the only time that you should Maybe just with family. Even then, it's no. Hard. You, you can only really give advice where advice is asked for. Yeah. Let's just say I'm working on a project and I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly. I, I have all the tools that I need, and I'm working on a project. Let's just say I'm building forms. Mm-hmm. I, I just did that. I poured concrete on Friday. Had the music going. Knew yeah. exactly what I was doing. And somebody comes in without me asking. Another coworker. And starts telling me how they would do it. And they, that there's a better way or I'm doing it wrong. When I'd even ask for it. And my way is going to work. So the best approach is not just to shove your opinions down people's throats. Especially when they think they're doing, I might, this, my coworker might know a better way. But without a relationship built there. And even then, even then, there's still the little wall because I've been doing it my way for a while. Regardless, if you want to prove a point or not, or maybe my, our ways are just different ways that work the same, you don't go up to somebody's work, lifestyle, work ethic and say, hey, you're doing it wrong. You don't do that. You just set an example. Also, it could be, there could be a better way, but regardless, you're not going to... You're not going to accept it if it's presented don't, that way. Don't tell me. Show me. Show yeah. me in your works. Yeah. And the thing about the LGBTQ type of thing. A lot of people, a lot of Christians, we, we don't necessarily think that that's okay. 
or that their belief system is okay. Um, just, just generalizing. That doesn't mean you go and you speak death to somebody or you cause more, again, more confusion, more, more confliction, more separation, because that's all the media does is separate, separate, separate. Oh, that person doesn't agree with you. You shouldn't be their friend. That person doesn't agree with you. Block them. We're not supposed to cause more of that. So I know a lot of people who have a, have very specific beliefs, and they will never say it. The, there's there's just as much LGBTQ as there are Christians that watch porn. There's just as much. The only difference is that one sin is on display. One sin is apparent. One one wrong way of living is just very on the surface. Yeah. And I think I, I understand what you're saying. Um, it's because it's out there in your face, you know. And that, again, that does not mean you go and you bash someone and you cause more confusion, more separation, more division, because that's not what God wants. No. He doesn't want you to go and tell someone you're disgusting and you, you this, you that. Because we're all sinners. The Bible does not say anything about going to someone and condemning it. It actually says the opposite of that. Can you imagine a sinner condemning another sinner? Yeah. And crazy. how foolish that looks. Crazy. It's just like how they say if you don't forgive, it's like you're taking all your sins and you're saying, I'll pay for these because I'd rather not forgive yeah. than be forgive and and um and not sorry. I'd rather not forgive and not be forgiven then forgive and be forgiven. So you're condemning yourself, really. When you point the finger, three of them are pointing back at you. Yeah, simple concept, but it usually is the, the truth. So let's just say the whole pro-life, pro-choice thing. And there are so many people that voted based on their own quote-unquote beliefs. But what percentage of people will actually take action to help out either way? Pro-life. Uh, our church is coming up with like a drive for, for like a drive-through to come pick up single moms to come pick drive. up uh, diaper diapers and stuff like that. It's not like a drive-through. No, like, no, yeah, diaper drive. You drive through the park, like the front of the church. You get your oh, yes, box of yes. goodies and you drive on through to drive-through, and um, <laughs> and you just think about what percentage of people or or what does it mean to just have your own belief system like a little rock. That this is what I believe in, and this is what I'm gonna vote for, and then not do anything. So if if you're gonna base a belief off of the love of Christ, mm-hmm. vote and then not show that love, then what the hell does that even mean? Yeah. One thing I was thinking of what would be really cool is to kind of have a uh, not a thrift store, but a secondhand store for mothers to donate children's clothes to, but be selective. It's not just junky clothes. Good clothes, good quality clothes that it was taken care of. Imagine all the farmers that spend money on kids' clothes and all this stuff that you can send to the secondhand store and young mothers can come to the store, get their kid good clothes, used clothes for like a discounted price. And then like if you bring your old clothes back and you swap, you get like a percentage off and it'd be like nonprofit because these kids, they grow out of clothes hella fast. So what if you had one store, let's just say in Los Banos where we live and you can go in and just throughout the ages until they're like 
let's say it's as infant through five years old because they just grow like crazy or even through 10 years old. I don't know, but it'd be really cool if you set something like that up because, okay, I voted. All right. If I vote pro-life, that means more babies in the world. That means more single moms in the world. That means high school kids uh, having kids, high school students having kids, sophomores, juniors having kids. How can I help them out? Or is it just, I'm going to vote. All right. I'm going to step back. Do your thing. Like it doesn't make any sense. Touch this and put, put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your mouth is. And action. Sorry, the way you made your face right now. This is, it blows my mind, you know? So I, actually, I've been pondering that idea for like a month or two. I think I bounced it off of you. And yeah, I, this is the first time. That's I the first time you heard it? Mm-hmm. Like I want to create an outline and just send it to the community center or whatever, the city of Los Bonnies. Be like, hey, is this possible? It could be nonprofit. Give like three or four people a job. And it just, it'd be good. Just clothes. Because how much money are moms spending on clothes? And especially you're a mom. You don't want to get your kid cheap clothes. That it's you, you, you want to give your kid the best and some moms will give them what they can afford. You know, you're getting the, the whatever clothes you can afford. But if you just had this revolving door of constant clothes, because what happens to all those clothes that the kids wear for three months, two months, what's going to happen of all your nephew's clothes once he's done? You know, Mexican culture, they'll just give it to the next baby that's born, <laughs> Yeah, you know, but I just think, I think that'd be cool. I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know what the name would be. You know, maybe it could be called Guardian Angel. I don't know. Damn, that sounds hella dope. But whatever. I'm just saying that'd be hella dope. Uh, perception, 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 perception. Keep going back down to it. Your perception. It's it's perception. Condemnation because of perception. Lack of change. Will to change because of perception. Your your belief system and and what you do. And how you do it because of perception. And you think about it in the Bible and how many instances there's moments where people were cutting against the grain. You know, that's all the Bible's full of, cutting against the grain. Noah's building an ark. People were like, why are you building a boat, idiot? You know, it's going to rain. God's going to flood the earth, you know, or God told me to. Stupid. Doesn't make any sense. It's never rained before in, in the life. He's just building a boat out of faith, cutting against the grain. Moses speech impediment going to be like hey i know like you're the pharaoh and everything but just let my people go and god said so cutting against the grain cutting against the perception of what is truth so when we find ourselves in a, a, a community when you just know based on your own perception how do you differentiate what's truth or not and how do you grow out of it if that makes any sense what do you really know? I think, I think you have to know righteousness. You have to know truth. You got to strive to be Christ-like. You have to want good and righteousness. And when you strive for righteousness, you're going to recognize righteousness. You're going to, and when you crave the wisdom of Christ, you're going to think like Christ. You're going to think like him. And when you have faith in him, you're going to trust him in the process. And uh, one thing that I wrote, I was really excited. I was like, man, I got to share that was the story of David. And every, everyone heard the story, has heard of the story of David and Goliath. I mean, I remember reading and what, reading cartoon books or picture books and then reading or, ugh, and watching cartoons about it. 
I'd get the the VHS tapes from a place called Bereans in San Jose. I don't know if that was like a, a nationwide change, but it was Bereans, and I get that. Growing up, what is your perception of David and Goliath? Uh, he was a small kid that defeated a giant. Yeah. Um, like a underdog type. Underdog. Yeah, like a a, a miracle because he was small and giant and Goliath was a giant okay and he hit him with the rock hit him with the rock right yeah just a bam like almost like when you when you see the cartoons when you're younger you hear like the it was like how could this be like, like a slingshot how could he possibly have killed him with a little slingshot yeah pretty much that's kind of your perception of it yeah but then you're just like okay hold on what was this weapon that he used the sling and stone, which the stones, you're selective over the stones you, you pick, especially someone with, ex- with experience, I assume, you know, the flat, whatever, maybe have blunt ends on either side. I don't know. Or maybe he had, maybe he got stones and he chipped them off so that they, they travel better, you know, but a sling in the hands of an expert with it can throw a rock or sling a rock 100 to 125 miles an hour. 100 to 125 miles an hour. It can legit kill you. It can kill you. David was a boy and didn't matter how strong you were with the sling. Technique, momentum, and if he had lanky arms, that's all, like a noodle arm, like a pitcher, that's it. So he could have been 12 years old being able to, to manhandle a sling. So you look at this and I'm just like, okay. So the perception of it, disadvantage, underdog, faith and came against the odds and, and it's a miracle. Was it? Was it? See, what happened was the, the, the Philistines or Philistines? I say Philistine. Philistine. They have this Goliath, you know, at war with the Israelites. Stuff's going down. They're fighting. Fighting standard combat shield probably bow and arrow sword armor you know what i'm saying and this goliath killing killing israelites left and right nobody wants to fight him nobody wants to fight him and david is this young boy perceived young boy and he's like i'll do it okay you're a boy what are you gonna do I'm going to do it. Just trust me. You know, I have faith in God. I'm, I'm going to do it. Okay. So, so the perception is this little boy wants to go out there and like, okay, you're going to do it. We're going to give you some armor. We're going to give you a, a sword and shields. Like, no, I just need my sling and, and a few rocks. They're like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Cause it didn't make any sense to their standard of battle tactics. It didn't make any sense of their standard of fighting of combat. Didn't make any sense. How's this young boy with a sling going to go kill this Goliath? Doesn't make any sense. But what David had was, a skill that he mastered in his occupation, we, uh, fighting off bears and mountain lions that he would kill with this sling and stone. And he probably picked up five stones because he knew the, the, the time he had on how many shots he can probably get off before the enemy closed the gap in his occupation. It was bears and mountain lions against the Goliath. He probably had against a bear or mountain lion. He could probably only throw three stones. But he looked at the Goliath and thought, you know what? He's not a bear or mountain lion. He walks slower, so I can probably get off five stones. It was probably this, this tactical thought that he had because of his occupation. He didn't see 
a disadvantage. He saw um, a beast, but he's killed beasts. He saw a Goliath, a monster, but he's killed monsters. And he just saw an opportunity. And then he made this tactical decision to get five stones instead of whatever he'd use for a mountain lion and a bear and said, I can kill this guy. No, don't give me any armor. I'll be too heavy. I need to be, I need to be agile. I need to be my arm to be free, to get a good whip. I can't have anything when I'm throwing this. So people were looking at him. A sling? That's all you're going to take? But David's sitting there just like, I'm a boy. I already have a boy's confidence as it is. Oh, BT dubs, I've killed bears and mountain lions. If I've killed monsters, why would I fear Goliath? He's just a man. So he goes out there, slings a rock, hits him in the head, 100 to 125 miles an hour, takes a sword, cuts his head off. And the perception was he wasn't ready to fight that battle because he's not going to fight it the way that we would fight it. The perception was he was a boy and he's taking this little weapon into the, he was taking this little weapon into the, uh, the battlefield, the sling and stone in the battlefield that they, they probably didn't use in the battlefield, especially because you're, you're heavy armor, you know, it wasn't a story of disadvantage. It was a story of underestimation. It was a story of one boy cutting against the grain saying, I don't have an, I don't fear this. This isn't a situation I'm fear. He was made for this situation. And the takeaway from this is that perception is not reality. Perception is your reality. And David mastered his skill and his occupation. So that way he was ready for the moment against the Goliath, which was an act of faith. So, in your practice, like in, in your occupation, whatever it is that you do, whatever it is that you do, Lily, Lily you're a teacher. You're a teacher. I don't know why I just said your name right now, but if whatever it is, your occupation, you're a teacher. I'm construction. Do your due diligence to be excellent at your occupation every day to continuously grow. Because your occupation is a gift from God, but also of the world because you're creating income for yourself to sustain yourself, your flesh in this world, but you're building up your skill. So give your all every day, be excellent in every, everything that you do. I remember, I remember when I first started my job, I'm, I'm not an operator. I work construction. I work with like forms and stuff like that. I build stuff, but during lunchtime, there'd be a backhoe just sitting there, a tractor sitting there, or a excavator just sitting there during lunchtime. And I thought, you know what? Instead of taking a lunch, I'm just going to sit on that thing and learn how to drive it. And I did that for like two years and I can operate it kind of normal now. I, I, can, I, I can do it myself to where I wasn't an operator. I wasn't going to give the chance to be an operator. So instead, I took it upon myself to develop that skill so that way I can be flexible in my job to continuously grow in what I do. Why? Because there's going to be moments where your occupation is going to be the foundation of an act of faith. Your skill and your occupation, your trade is going to be the foundation and an act of faith, whether it be your teacher, whether it be in the ministry and kids at church, whether it be me and the physicality of the job or the, the, the delegation of leadership in my job because I lead crews, whatever it may be to perfect that. So that way you be ready for that act of faith. The biggest, the biggest takeaway out of all this rambling 
And honestly, we've been sitting here for a little while because there was a little rambling that we did and we don't like it and we edited it out. But the biggest takeaway is that perception is not reality. Perception is your reality. And don't try to resist somebody else's truth. Try to understand it. Just because you don't do something one way doesn't mean that somebody else can't do it one way. And if someone is sinning, do not condemn them because we're all sinners. Doesn't make any sense. Jesus created an atmosphere of love. He created an atmosphere of healing. And if we're doing anything other than that, we're not being Christ-like. Jesus came down to embrace. If we're pushing away, we're not being Christ-like. If somebody can't feel, feel the difference because of the Holy Spirit that flows through us, just in conversation, we're not being Christ-like. If somebody is, is, in some cases, if we're not approachable because we are that Christian who resists anything that isn't Christian, then because of Jesus' example, when he approached sinners, I don't think we're being Christ-like. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense that anybody would be in a situation like Noemi feeling shame growing up. Could you imagine being a single, like a mom pregnant out of wedlock? Just shame? Is that what Jesus wants us to feel? Is that what he came down to, to let us feel? I'm pregnant out of wedlock. I'm gay. I'm a drunkard. I'm, I'm obese. With love. With love. I'm done. Okay, bye. I'm done. I don't got anything else to say. <laughs>